the lounge. Welcome to the lounge. Tonight, I'm drinking on Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Straight from the barrel. 136.6 proof. This is what you call fire. All right. Um, I'm going to add some ice. Some say it's a sin to add ice to barrel proof. Others say you need to add ice to any bourbon that strong because it'll dry out your taste buds. Your choice. I believe that um, adding water just brings out, or ice brings out flavor, brings out aromas. Uh, the longer it sits, the, the different flavors that come out. So I won't knock you for using ice in your bourbon, especially when it's 136 proof, aged for 12 years. Elijah Craig is the father of bourbon. According to some legends, he created the first aged uh, bourbon whiskey. This is distilled at the Heaven Hills Distillery. We had, uh, or I had uh, the Henry McKenna a while back that I really enjoyed. And I'm going to have some of this Elijah Craig tonight. So if I fall out of my chair, you know why I'm drinking straight gasoline. But. We're in the lounge, and we're here to talk about the NFL Combine that I just returned from a few days ago, <clears throat> and boy, there were some good times, there were some bad times, there were some drunk times, and I had a lot to drink. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> I got a chance to meet a lot of interesting people in the fantasy community, in the NFL community, uh, agents, all type of different uh, background people, and uh, had a really good time. Uh, made some some new friends, some new contacts. I'm glad I went. Uh, I will share some nuggets with you at the end of this podcast. Some things that I heard, uh, and we'll take that for what it's worth. Uh, they are pretty interesting, but um, I want to talk about today. Not risers and fallers. A lot of uh, the podcast or YouTube shows you're going to see talk about the risers and the fallers. Uh, I just want to talk about what I saw, some takeaways, how I'm going to apply that uh, to my preparation for our, our fantasy drafts. So grab a drink, get ready, and let's talk about the combine. Oh, yeah. Whoa. That's what you call a whiskey. Whew. By the way, this whiskey here, I um, it comes in three bottles uh, per box delivery. I had to wait in line for an hour. I happened to be uh, the third person waiting in line. Lucky enough to get a bottle of it. So it isn't very easy to come across. Maybe in your neck of the woods it is here in Ohio. Wow, it has a long burn too. Um, very good whiskey. Very good whiskey. All right, so let's talk about the combine. Now, one of the guys that I had my eye on the entire time going into the combine was Boston College running back A.J. Dillon. Now, a few months ago, I had the opportunity to do a mock draft with some really good uh, fantasy evaluators on Twitter. 
Dynasty Price and and Ray GQ, and you know we had a mock draft. So then we went and we had a fantasy draft based on the NFL mock draft, and I selected AJ Dillon at the time. Uh, the mock draft had him going to the Baltimore Ravens, and at the time, uh, you know, I chose AJ Dillon, and I talked about how much I liked what I saw on tape. Uh, his his big body, his his size, his speed. Uh, he seemed to have some athleticism, decent hands. But it was important for me to see what he did at the combine because if he went to the combine and ran a slow 40, had you know pretty poor metrics, uh, and just didn't look like what I saw on tape, I was most likely going to discard anything that I saw. But if he did go to the combine, if he did show out, he's somebody that I wanted to have uh, on my radar going into fantasy drafts. And boy, did he show out. He exceeded all my expectations. Not only did he check in at six foot, 247 pounds, a beast of a man, he clocked a 4.53 40 yard dash. All right, that's blazing for his size. He had a speed score, uh, I believe, around the 95th percentile, the 99th percentile. I mean, something crazy. Uh, his speed score with his size. Now, he also went in, he put up 23 reps at 225 pounds on the bench press. He had a 41 inch vertical jump, right? Best of all running backs, a six foot, 247 pound running back, jumping 41 inches more than higher than any other running back that participated. His broad jump was 131 inches. That was the best at his position as well. I mean, this guy is grading out in the 99th percentile of all these metrics. And it shows what I saw on tape. Uh, I mean, you may remember him from from the nasty stiff arm he had uh, back in 2017. Um, But he went from being compared to, you know, some of the players like the old Boston College running back, Andre Williams, who metrics don't even compare, you know, Williams, he wasn't a very good receiver. Uh, he ran a slower 40. He was lighter. Uh, he had a lower burst score. Lower in every category. <clears throat> and, and a smaller running back. But Dylan comes in. Now you start comparing him to the Jamal Lewis's, the Steven Jackson's. Um, some want to call him a, a Derrick Henry type. I mean, he's pretty much the same size as Derrick Henry. He ran faster than Derrick Henry. Uh, I don't want to go there yet, but if the Titans wanted to, they could easily let Derrick Henry go, perhaps uh, invest in A.J. Dillon and try to run the similar offense, tag uh, the offensive lineman um, that's going to be testing free agency, you know, maybe start over. But I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that A.J. Dillon just moved himself into probably the third or fourth round of the draft where before he may have been going in the sixth Sixth round, fifth round. Uh, So I really think he increased his stock, uh, and I'm impressed. So uh, I'm going to dive more into his tape and his analytics and see exactly where I want to rank him uh, in the Roto Lounge rookie draft guide that I hope you all are going to purchase or have already purchased. You can find it at rotolounge.com backslash merch. I have a 2020 rookie guide released 
April 1st, it's five bucks. You can't miss it, all right? You don't want to miss it. How about that? All right, still drinking this whiskey here. Another guy that really shined for me at the Combine was Justin Jefferson. In our first uh, prospect breakdown on the podcast, not on YouTube, uh, I talked about everything about Justin Jefferson. And when he went to the Combine, the one thing that I was looking at was his 40. I expected him to run a 4-5. He ended up blazing a 4-4-3. And he mentioned uh, after the fact that you know he worked a lot on his 40-yard dash, wanted to um, show any of the doubters that he was a fast receiver. And it goes back to the breakdown. You know, I mentioned the fact that every time you look at him or or they talk to him, he's always trying to prove somebody wrong. He's all he has a chip on his shoulder. And I like that going into the NFL because it shows me that he's going to care about his craft. He's going to uh, work to get better. And he's always going to work harder because of those doubters. Uh, as I was watching him at the combine, he just looked so smooth in every drill, in and out of his breaks, catching everything in sight. Um, he just looked so smooth. Uh, he moved up into my top five wide receivers. Uh, he may even move up higher than that, but I have to put him at least number five. He's just too good. I think he's going to be a safe NFL prospect. And I know a lot of these prospects going in are going to be very hyped, but hype doesn't always translate at the next level. I think Justin Jefferson is going to translate to the next level. Uh, whether or not he's going to be a, a wide receiver one right off the bat or if he's going to be a wide receiver two, it all depends. Now, one thing that I did, did here in Indianapolis, is, and this, these are from reliable sources. This is just not you know somebody that I, you know, I talked to passing the street. Reliable sources. The Eagles are very interested in Justin Jefferson. Uh, if... Henry Ruggs is off the board when the Eagles pick in the first round. Do not be surprised if they select Justin Jefferson uh, to be the wide receiver there in Philadelphia. So keep your eye on that. Uh, Be prepared for that. Um, But Jefferson is uh, one of our risers for sure, uh, especially in the top five now. And another wide receiver that really uh, looked good for us is Donovan Peoples-Jones. I just dropped my first article on rotolounge.com about whether or not we want to buy Donovan Peoples-Jones in our rookie drafts. Uh, Being a five-star rated wide receiver uh, was the basis of the article. And in our breakdown, our last breakdown we did, our last YouTube breakdown, I talked about uh, DPJ. Uh, the fact that I expected him to run good at the in the 40-yard dash, I expected him to jump well, that uh, he was one of the best athletes in college football. And and I, it just cemented that fact when he went to the combine. He ran a 4.4840. He jumped a 44.5-inch vert, right? Second highest vertical jump in combine history. And combine has been going on for about 40 years. Uh, Now, that doesn't translate to success, but it shows that he is a freak athlete, uh, one of the best coming into the NFL. Uh, He had the furthest uh, broad jump of all receivers. Uh, Just just a freak, just a freak athlete. Um, Most likely one of the reasons he got a five-star ranking coming out of high school. 
just because of his athletic measurables. Now, he needs to work on his craft. DPJ, if you are watching this video or listening to this podcast, work your tail off at the next level. Become that superstar that you have the potential to be because most likely the Roto Lounge and anyone that's following the Roto Lounge is going to have you on their fantasy rosters and we need you to be a stud for us. All right. Now, a running back that obviously improved his stock, uh, if he could have, was Jonathan Taylor. I mean, what can you say about this guy? A 226-pound running back, ran a 4.39 40-yard dash, track speed. Uh, anyone that questioned his ability to run uh, a straight line uh, was definitely silenced after the 40. Now, the questions remain, uh, can he move side to side, okay? Yes, once he breaks it, there's not going to be very many people that can catch him. But can he move side to side through the hole? Uh, does he have the wiggle? Um, there are some rumors in Indy that some scouts don't believe he has that. Now, this could also be a smokescreen because, you know, obviously you want those running backs to fall into the second round, into the late second rounds. So that could be put out there just as a smokescreen so that uh, JT falls. Watching some of his tape, I haven't dived in all the way, but watching some of his tape, I feel like he is a very safe prospect. There's very few running backs that have the athletic measurables and the college production. And when they do have both of those, they tend to be NFL successes. So I think he's pretty safe. Um, and right now he's my 1-1 in rookie drafts, okay? Uh, it's fluctuated between DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, and this next guy that we're going to talk about. And that's Mr. Cam Akers out of Florida State. What a beast this guy is. He ran a 4.47. Just looks so smooth as, man, so smooth. Uh, running running the, the drills at the combine. Um, his feet are amazing. Uh, just looks like a natural runner on tape at the combine. Uh, he seems to check all the boxes. Um, the only thing not to love about Cam Akers is that he played at Florida State, right? And during the worst time in school's history. I mean, these are some dark days for Seminole fans. Uh, I should know. You know, I've pulled for the Seminoles for, for many years and still pull for the Seminoles, but it is dark days, and Cam Akers still somehow showed out at Florida State. If he had been at a, a bigger school uh, with a much better offense, you know, we'd be talking about him in a different light. So right now, right now, I have him and Jonathan Taylor as my one and my two uh, in Dynasty rankings. DeAndre, DeAndre Swift is third, and I can go into that a little more later. But right now, a few things about Swift is – you know, he doesn't have a lot of the the, uh, the the playing time, the production, what we're looking for um, as far as carrying the football. You know, and that concerns me a little bit. If, if he was that good, he, why wasn't he getting the ball more? Um, you know, some of his uh, fumbling issues that he has with the, the amount of carries he has compared to the amount of fumbles he has. Um, I think he's going to be a good NFL player, but right now he's sitting at 1-3 for me. Uh, and that could change. He could move up, especially uh, when we look at draft position. But I really like Jonathan Taylor. I really like Cam Akers. 
and, and DeAndre Swift looks like he's number three right now. Uh, another player that that really showed out was Denzel Mims. Uh, he came in at six three two oh seven. Um, ended up running a four three eight forty yard dash, a thirty inch vert, getting a lot of buzz. Um, now, just because he's getting a lot of buzz doesn't mean that the Roto Lounge is sold on Denzel Mims. Um, actually, there's a lot of red flags behind the scenes um, as far as production. You know, when his production came, was his team on top? Was his team uh, trailing? Um, so there's a lot of metrics that go into that. And I'm not quite sold on Denzel Mims. He's going to be the darling for a while because of the combine. But remember, anyone that talks about the combine being the underwear Olympics, there are instances where these athletes come and show out and really improve their stock. But there's still tape. There's still film. All right. What do they do good on film? What do they do not so good on film? Don't let the combine cloud your judgment. What they do good is a positive. What they do do bad could be a red flag, but you have to weigh them all equally. One metric or one drill doesn't outweigh any of the other drills. So keep that in mind. Right now, Denzel Mims is a riser, being hyped, but let's pump the brakes just a little bit until we finish our evaluation on him. Now, when I was at the Combine, and and let me tell you how bad the Combine was uh, from my experience. Now, this was my third Combine, and you know we were told to be there at 3.30 p.m., so I got there at 2.30 p.m. After a few beers, I thought I was going to go in, have a nice buzz, you know, watch the Combine, enjoy it. Got in at 2.30, was in the tunnel until 4.30 p.m. before they eventually let us into our seats, right? So two hours we waited. They already started the tight end drills, um, running and, and drills. We didn't get to see any of that. Once the tight ends were over, they finally let us in. They sat us in the, mo in the most ridiculous spots, not even good angles to see any of the drills, any of the 40. They dragged it out so bad that you could tell it was basically just for TV. It seemed like all they, the combine was about this year was the Henry Ruggs 40-yard dash. Okay, To the outside media or to the outside fan, maybe that's exciting, uh, you know, hoping to see someone break the 40-yard dash. But for someone like me who, who really wants to see the individual drills, how these players, you know, they're using their footwork, their hands, uh, if they're listening to the coaches' directions. All the little things is what I go there in person to see. I didn't get to see any of that this year uh, because the way they had it set up. Um, and then they bring out Henry Ruggs' group, group two, around 9 p.m. at night, okay? 9 p.m. at night. Now, these players most likely for the last few months have been training for this moment and if you've ever worked out or have any personal trainer one of the important things they tell you is get a lot of rest go to sleep early get rest they don't tell you to stay up until midnight right when you're working out when you're training when you're trying to uh, build a regimen they always say well from my experience 
get to sleep early, get your rest, prepare for the next day. These guys were up at 9.30 at night. They hadn't even run their 40-yard dash yet. Okay, when they're training, I'm, I have to believe that they're up at 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, working out, running drills, getting prepared for the combine. When you're doing that for months and months and months, your body becomes accustomed to that. Just like anything you do, your body becomes accustomed to a routine. And when they had these players come and sit around for hours and hours and eventually come onto the field at 9 o'clock, 9.30 p.m. at night, and run a 40-yard dash, I don't believe the numbers 100%, okay? And I'm going to really focus on the pro days and see if there's a significant discrepancy between what the combine said and what the pro day said. In one instance, is Jalen Rager. A lot of people expected him to run a 4-3. He ended up running a 4-4-7, I believe. If he goes to his combine and runs, you know, a 4-4 or a, a, under a 4-4, okay, I'm going to have to really uh, take more precedent on that run than I would in, in previous years because just the way it was set up, I can't believe a lot of these players were ready um, to perform. And then that gets, my, gets me to my last point. They finished running the 40s at 9.30 at night. When they were about to start the drills, when Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb uh, and Henry Ruggs and all these players that I went to the combine to see run these drills, they're about to start at 9.30 at night. Security comes and says, everyone has to leave. The combine is closed. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? I drove two and a half hours, spent the entire day in this fucking stadium, and then when it's the time that I want to watch these players drill, you're telling me that it's got to go. Boy, you won't believe how many people were yelling and and, and claiming they were going to email the NFL. And it was really a disappointment for me. Uh, you know, I left there and went out and got drunk and um, pretty much started drinking the rest of the time I was there in Indianapolis. But um, very disappointed. I don't even know if I'm going to go back next year. Uh, that's how disappointed I was. But enough about that story. Enough about me bitching. One thing I did notice when I was in the combine in group one, there was a receiver that every time he caught the ball or ran a route, I looked up at the screen to see who it was. And his name was Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island. And he, the guy just looked so smooth, so quick, great hands. Just everything he did. Just look good. He ended up running a 4.46 in the 40. So I have to go back and dive in his film uh, if I can find it, uh, being from Rhode Island, see what his production numbers were. I really know little about him, um, but he looked good. And every year when I do go, I always find a player or two that I, you know, that I like that isn't really on the radar for most most people in the fantasy industry. You know, some that I remember off the top of my head. I remember I was. Uh, a big fan of Chase Edmonds, <clears throat> Justin Jackson. They haven't really performed. <coughs> um, Aaron Jones. There, there's a lot that I that I saw that I really liked. Um, you know, in drills. Um, so I'm gonna dive into Isaiah Coulter's tape if I can find it and his production, 
and see if it's someone that we want to have our eye on. This whiskey's getting better and better as it sits. Uh, let's talk about Chase Claypool. Getting a lot of hype. Uh, big guy. I think he was 6'4". Went to the combine. Just crushed it. For anyone that mocks the NFL combine and says, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the, the underwear Olympics or the combine doesn't matter, Chase Claypool is exhibit A, okay? He came in at 6'4", completely crushed the combine, 4'4", 240, 6'4", 238 pounds, a 40-inch vertical leap. I mean, the metrics for this guy are off the charts, all right? But when he went through the drills and I had my eye on him, he looked bad. He looked bad. And he was sloppy in his routes, slow in and out of his breaks, slow getting his hands up for the catch. He dropped more than one pass that hit him right in the hands. Did not look anything like a prototypical wide receiver. There's talk about moving him to tight ends. I don't really think he can block, so that isn't going to work. Um, so really, I'm not I'm not buying the Chase Claypool love. Uh, there are some people out there that are just because of his size and his athletic measurables. And yes, that can go a long way, but you still got to be able to play football. And he did not look natural at all uh, at the Combine. So I'm going to be very wary of Chase Claypool. I'm not letting any of those metrics deter me from my rankings. Uh, and I'm not high on him at all right now. So that's where I am with that. Now, I want to talk about just, you know, some nuggets that I heard at the Combine, some rumblings that I heard. You know, I actually had a chance to talk to some agents, um, some members of the ESPN staff, uh, some members of the fantasy football industry, and, and some insiders. And I'm not going to do any name dropping here. But one thing that I heard earlier in the week, and I posted on Twitter that the Panthers were going to make a run at a quarterback, specifically Joe Burrow. And as soon as I heard this news, I believe it was the day after, uh, I think I heard it uh, one night, and then the day after, a report comes out that says the Panthers are rolling with Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. And to me, that's just ironic that news from an inside source would break and then a report comes pretty much dismissing it but not admitting that it was out there and i don't believe the report at all we know cam's injured he's been injured for two years uh they don't know where he's at as far as re his rehabilitation so to say he's the starting quarterback i believe is just a pr move to keep him happy either that or they're going to try to tank but I mentioned probably a month ago that I expected uh, Jordan Love to move up the ranks because he has a skill set that can rival Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes whatsoever, okay? When Patrick Mahomes came into the NFL, I believe he was drafted in the 20s. There was question marks surrounding him. Um, he was not a for-sure prospect, all right? Now, what, what he's done now, obviously, you know, being a Super Bowl MVP um, 
and doing what he's done in the NFL, it's hard to remember going back and, and saying that as a prospect. But in fantasy drafts, I remember I was getting him in the fourth round of fantasy draft. So he wasn't a, you know, a, sh a sure thing by any um, stretch of the imagination. So I predicted that the Panthers would probably make a move for Jordan Love. Um, now, I did not hear that, but I'm still sticking by the fact that Jordan Love is probably going to go higher than most people think. Once teams fall in love with the quarterback, they will put the resources around him. Um, whether he goes to Carolina or not, I'm not sure. But Carolina is going to be a confusing situation because um, I don't believe Cam is going to be their starting quarterback. And I'm not sure if they don't take a quarterback this year, I have to believe they're going to do everything in their power to get Trevor Lawrence next year and build a franchise around Trevor Lawrence. So let's keep our eye on that. Another thing that I heard uh, a lot from a lot of people was that Phillip Rivers almost seems like a lock to go to Indianapolis. Um, now, whether or not I think that's a good move or not, um, that's here nor there. But it seems like Frank Reich is a big fan of Phillip Rivers. They think he can come in behind the offensive line and really help them get to the playoffs. Jacoby Brissett isn't the answer. So I'm not going to be surprised if Rivers goes to the Colts. Um, most people there seem like that was already a lock. Um, you may start hearing that in the media soon. Um, another thing, another lock that I heard was that the Bengals are locked in on getting Joe Burrow. That's a done deal. Um, there was some speculation that uh, he has encouraged the Bengals to be active in free agency, to build that team, to prove that they do want to compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, and I know in the media we heard that uh, the Bengals are not you know, eager to compete. So when they interviewed him, he did stress that uh, prove that you want to compete. Uh, so now the reports come out that they're going to uh, franchise tag A.J. Green. They're going to be big players in free agency. And I think that's just a reassurance to Joe Burrow that they are serious about winning. He's locked in as the number one pick there in Cincinnati. Um, another th few things we're talking about with agents, some franchise tags that uh, they expect to have are Dak Prescott will be in Dallas next year and Hunter Henry will be in uh, L.A. next year for the Chargers. So... Uh, I expect those two guys to be locked up. If they can't sign deals, they will be franchise tagged. Um, so if you have Hunter Henry in your in your fantasy team, um, don't worry. He should be a Charger next year. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be, uh, but he should be a Charger next year. Now, that's all I have for the Combine recap. All right. We're in the lounge. We're drinking some Elijah Craig 136.6 proof. All right. Check out my website, rotolounge.com. It's free. Okay. The time that I spend, I do this all for you guys. YouTube, a podcast, a website. I drink for you guys. I do everything just for you guys to help you be better fantasy players. Show me some love. Leave me a review on the podcast, Apple. All right. Find me on Twitter, at Roto Lounge. 
Let me know that you're watching, that you're following, that you're reading. I'm not asking for any money. The only money that I'd like to see is I'm selling a rookie guide, but I'm not, it's not, I'm not asking for free money. I'm going to produce a rookie guide. I'm going to sell it for $5. I'm going to have a breakdown of every relevant fantasy player that we should be locked in. I will have mock drafts. I'm going to have you ready for your fantasy draft. You will be prepared. It's $5. All right. Find me on YouTube at Roto Lounge. Right. Subscribe, like, share, use any social media platform. Don't worry. You don't have to hide the Roto Lounge. Let it be known. Have all the drinkers come join us. Have all the fantasy players that want to win championships join us. I'm here for you guys. I'm in the lounge. 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm here grinding all the time for you guys. So show me some love. I'm giving love back any way I can. Until next time, this has been Roto Lounge. <laughs>